Hey, we are honestly so privileged as well to have Pastor Adam Frost, Adam Frost and Darcy. I also call him Frosty as well. But yeah, um, Adam and Darcy will be pastoring our new church in Papakura. So we've been praying for them and we're so excited to have them here. He'll be kickstarting our new Christmas series this morning. So can we just put our hands together and welcome Pastor Adam Frost. Thank you so much, Joy. Can I, can I jump on the top? Yeah, that's good. That's good. I want to see everyone's beautiful faces. Good morning, everyone. You doing well today? So good to see you. I'm so excited to be here. This is one of my favorite campuses. Seriously, it is. It is. And no, I don't say that to every campus. Uh, back in 2013, I spent uh, about six months where this was my every Sunday. I came to um, put some time into the young people here, and it was an absolute joy. It's a bit crazy coming back and seeing some of those young people like growing up now. It's a bit freaky, a bit scary. I feel a little old, even though I am a little young. It is our great honor to be here. Uh, my wife Darcy and I, we are currently, for a short while longer, the youth and young adult pastors at our Botany campus. We've been doing that in that role for four years. I've been on staff um, at that campus there for about seven, and I absolutely love Elam. I love coming home. I immediately feel like I'm at home. Joy, you did a fantastic job emceeing, by the way. You have a gift on your life, and that was incredible. I'm sitting there like, you should just preach. I don't need to get up. Like, you're dominating this. That was amazing. It's so good to be here. Um, as Joy said, Darcy and I are heading out to plant a brand new campus of Elam Christian Center. So the Elam family is extending out into the Papakura region, and we're so very excited about it. Uh, we're committed to this. This is definitely the next few decades of our life. We moved out to the Papakura region just the other day, a couple of weeks ago, into a tiny little townhouse. We're loving it. We're getting used to the community. We're meeting families, and God's already on the move. God's doing amazing things out there. Our services launch on the 24th of February, and we're really excited because this is something that God placed on our heart for many years, and uh, we knew that it wasn't a matter of just going, here's a God dream, let's go, but waiting on the right timing and connecting with Pastor Luke and the rest of the leaders on that. And so now the time is right. We have four small groups already underway. Um, we have got a huge building to renovate, so please pray for us. That's, I don't even know what I'm doing, so we need to get the right people around us. Um, and God, God is, is truly up to amazing things. Um, there's amazing stories coming out. I had coffee with a young man just the other day, and uh, I've been in ministry a little while, certainly not as, as long as some of the absolute giants in the faith sitting on the front row here today, but um, I had coffee with a young man, and he used to attend our youth program back at our Botany campus, and I'll be honest with you, he's the sort of kid that I just didn't know what to do with. He started well, he was passionate, he was an influential young man, then all of a sudden, as he got older, he just turned to drugs, he turned to alcohol, it got to the point where he actually hated Darcy and I, yeah, but he would still come to the program, that doesn't make sense to me. He would come along, and I'll be honest, in my humanity, there was part of me that had almost given up. I didn't know what to do with this kid. He turned his back on God. He walked away, and I just said, God, I commit that into your hands. I don't know what to do with that. So I sat across the table yesterday, two days ago, having coffee with this young guy, gave his life back to Jesus. His partner gave his life to Jesus in the same meeting just a few weeks ago. This is amazing. I'll tell you why this is amazing, because I sat there, and I realized once again, I was reminded face-to-face -face how good our God is, that he never gives up. He chases his people. His love is always enduring, and it really does chase us. And I sat there going, man, God, I feel guilty, because there's part of me that gave up, but you never gave up. And I sat here looking at a young man whose life had been transformed. He wants to get baptized. He wants to marry his partner. Like, God is on the move, and that's just one of many stories that are coming out of Papakura so far. So thank you for praying for us. Um, if you have been, if you haven't, that would be nice if you could do that. That would be really helpful because uh, we need it. Uh, 
we're confident, but we also realize we've never done this before, and we need God, and we need people's prayers, so that would be amazing. Um, I'm going to share a great word with you today, and I can't wait to share it. I, I guess I'll, I'll slightly correct. I'm not starting the Christmas series today, even though it looks brilliant, it looks beautiful. Pastor Mike invited me to come, and I jumped at the opportunity. I love Pastor Mike and Liz Griffiths. They are some of the best pastors on the planet, and I mean that. They are significant in, in my life and in Darcy's life, not only as Christians and leaders, but for us as a married couple, they've invested so much into us. I honestly couldn't do what I do. I wouldn't be who I am without them. So please take uh, opportunities as you get to to thank Pastor Mike and Liz. I understand they're in Christchurch at the moment doing a family thing, which is um, amazing. They so deserve that. So when he invited me to share, he just said, share a message that you know that the people in the city would love to hear. And so I've got one for you. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right. If you've got notes, uh, I believe you've got notes on your way through. Um, it's just some scriptures on there because I'd hate for you to miss those scriptures. But if you have your Bible, of course, it's always helpful. Open up your Bible, underline the things that God is saying. Because while I may share words, God might highlight something different. God might use the message that I share today to highlight something that's in season for you. And that's our prayer today, that you don't just come and be inspired, but that God would impart something into your life. As it was prayed earlier, that you would leave different from the way that you came in. Amen. Now, on Tuesday morning, September the 11th, 2001, Lieutenant Heather, they called her Lucky Penny, Lieutenant Heather Lucky Penny, was sitting around a briefing table. She was the first female fighter pilot that the USA had ever had. And they were sitting at a briefing table going over the details of a training program that had just taken place. As they were going over the details, someone popped their head into the office to let them know, we just want to let you know that a plane has hit one of the World Trade Buildings. Thinking it was just some lunatic in a small plane, they didn't think it warranted uh, military response, so they just carried on with their meeting. As you can expect, a few moments later, that same person rushed back in to let them know that a second aircraft had crashed into the other World Trade Building, and at this point, they knew it was war. Now, in this day, at this time, the USA had never been prepared for an attack like this. In fact, the planes weren't even loaded with ammunition. They were actually loaded with the rubber bullets from the training program still. Usually it would take about an hour to get these fighter jets fueled up, loaded up with ammunition and into the air, but reports were coming in that a third hijacked plane was on its way to Washington, and so the orders were clear. Get up into the sky right now. Weapons or no weapons, these planes needed to get up and stop the threat. Colonel Mark Sasseville, one of the other people in the room at the time, said, Lucky, you're coming with me. I'm going for the cockpit, he said. And without hesitating, she said, I guess I'll take the tail. They rushed out into their respective cockpits, two different planes, fired up the engines without any safety checks. They began working their way down the runway while screaming at the ground crew to remove the safety pins while they inched forward. Every second counted. They blasted off, they screamed over the Pentagon at over 650 kilometers an hour, thinking as they went what the best way was to take down this aircraft, thinking where the best place would be to hit because they had never trained to take down huge airliners before. As they screamed around looking for the threat, uh, after a couple of hours, they found nothing. They found out a couple of hours later that what had happened is some passengers in the plane had wrestled with the terrorist pilot and brought down the plane in a field. Now, when reflecting on that morning, Lieutenant Heather Lucky Penny said, what you have to understand is we wouldn't be shooting that plane down. We would be ramming it. We would essentially be kamikaze pilots. It was all or nothing. When reflecting on that morning and how everything panned out, she realized that there was no plan B. There was no other option. She realized that this would likely be the very last time that she ever left that runway. 
she had to step out in bravery. She had to give it everything she got. She had no idea how it would work out. And you know what? To make matters crazier, check this. Her father was a pilot flying for the same airline who got hijacked who would often fly those routes. So she had no idea whether she was about to ram into a plane that had her father inside. But it didn't matter. In that moment, it was all or nothing. My question for you this morning is, when's the last time you did something where there was no going back? When's the last time you stepped off a ledge knowing the moment that you did, it was impossible to change your mind? Have you ever had that level of bravery? Have you ever been so sure about something that you knew you just had to? Have you ever stepped out and thought, if this doesn't work out, I'm wrecked? Let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. It should be in your notes there. This is about Jesus sending out some disciples. Now, most of us know that Jesus had 12 disciples, but in the scripture we learn he actually had many others as well. Let me read it to you. It says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. So Jesus is sending these disciples out, and he said, I'm sending you out, but you're going to go out feeling uncomfortable. You're going to go out feeling unprepared. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. He's asking them to trust God and not make things comfortable for themselves. Now, I imagine if that were me, if I were in that situation, I'd be like stationed at a muesli bar or a snack in my back pocket. I'd be putting a little power bank in my pocket to keep my phone charged. I would at least have two pairs of socks on so I could rotate them when one got a little bit nasty. Like, I might be willing to go as long as I could take some of the comforts of home with me. But Jesus was saying, no, just go. Just trust me. You don't know what it all looks like. I love, man, I love the prayers. I love the unity that God's bringing through the service already. We don't always see what's ahead of us, but we've got to trust the God that has our future in his hands. He's saying, just go, just go. Now, the, the chapter before this, while Jesus is gathering the disciples before he sends them out, this is how it pans out. This is in Luke chapter nine from verse 57. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, you would expect Jesus to be like, that's awesome, let's go. But he doesn't respond that way. I think he calls this guy's bluff. This guy seems like he wants in. I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. And his response is, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. I think that's like Jesus' code language for saying, do you really know what you're saying? Do you understand what you're committing to? I've got no place to rest my head. Following me might look difficult. Following me might be awkward. Following me might, might require you to get uncomfortable. Do you really know what you're saying? And so the verse carries on in verse 59. And Jesus said to another person, come follow me. But the man agreed. But he said, Lord, first let me go home and bury my father. Once I've done that, I'll come and follow you. Where are we? Verse 60. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. It seems reasonable, but Jesus responds and says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What's Jesus saying? Like, Jesus is a character. And if you read scriptures, you'll find out that Jesus has many facets to his character. And I love this about him. He's saying, guys, 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 that's not how it works. It's all or nothing. You've got to be all in. It's, he's requiring this of them. He's like, you can't live for me and keep trying to tend to the things of this world. 
He's saying that he wants to use people that aren't stuck in between two different places. It's all or nothing. Just like Lieutenant Heather Lucky Penny that day, there was no plan B. He's saying, give it everything you've got and go now. And here's what these people in the scripture face, and here's what so many of us face here today. We want the things of God. We hear of the promises, we hear of the breakthrough, we hear of the miracles. We want to partake in the things of God, but we're not quite sure if it's worth jumping all the way in. Like that seems a little bit much. Like I want the things of God, but to jump all the way in, to jump over the cliff, to, to completely surrender ourselves to the point where there's no going back. I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to do that. And these guys, they're thinking, yeah, Jesus, like, I'll come, I'll follow you, but I, I, I just have to go tend to some stuff first because maybe one day when I'm not following you, I need to make sure that I, I prepare to back up just in case. Like, I'll follow you, like I will, but I, I'm just sort of caught between two different places. I, I'm coming, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. I'm calling you. There's more for you. I love you. There's a plan for your life. Come now. You don't see every part of the picture. You don't see every step on the staircase, but would you step out? Would you have faith? Would you believe that I'm a God who loves you and I have great things in store for you? This is a challenge. This is a challenge for each of us. They want to prepare something just in case God doesn't come through. You know, and I, I've spoken to lots of people um, particularly young people, because we've been in youth and young adults ministry for a while now, and I notice this all the time. There's people that honestly believe there's a call of God on their life to go into ministry. They say, yes, I'm keen. There's a call on my life. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart, but I'm, I'm just going to go do this other thing first that's a backup, you know, like, just in case. I'm like, just in case what? Just in case God doesn't come through? Because God always comes through on his promises. I'm not sure if you're feeling a little discouraged today. Maybe God has given you a promise and you're waiting and you're waiting. Keep waiting. God's coming through. His promises will come to pass. I'm standing on your decorations. I'm so sorry. You spent so much time. It looks beautiful. God's saying, keep, keep waiting. Keep believing. Keep having faith. God's coming through. God never fails on his promises. And you know, like... I, I think as I observe society in my young age, there's one thing that I've noticed, particularly in the Western world, is that we're very focused on having this backup option. Right? Like, like things are going to be okay, but we, we've got to have a backup option. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be wise and prepare for the future, but it seems like sometimes as I look around, I too often seem to observe the fact that we have a generation living this mediocre, unsatisfied life of somewhere in between. Our society is obsessed with the backup option. Let me highlight and illustrate what I mean. Insurance, right? Now, hold the phone, settle down. I'm not saying insurance is bad. In fact, insurance is good. You should get insurance. It's a good idea. But what's the whole idea behind insurance? Like, things are going to be okay. There's nothing to worry about. Like, it will be okay, but if it's not, don't worry. You've got a backup. And that's good. Again, you should get insurance. That's wise, right? Don't leave here saying, Frosty said, don't get insurance and then blame me and send me the bill. Like, I got nothing for you. But that's our mindset. And that's our mindset in a lot of things. And while insurance is, is wise and it's good, what ends up happening, this is the reality of the situation, we spend money on the insurance that we don't get to spend on the house or the holiday or the car, right? Another thing, um, maybe some of you have gone out to get a degree that you hated getting, that you had no intention on using just as a backup in case you didn't achieve your dream. And as a result, you spend years of your life, thousands of dollars of your money on a backup that you could have spent going after your dream. Now, maybe university is part of your dream. 
that's awesome, go for it, do it. University is amazing, I love it, I went, it's great. But I talk to so many young people, older people as well, I've got to get a degree, like I just have to as a backup. Do you? Do you really have to? I think there's this complacency that's like, I believe God's an almighty God, he places a call in my life, he places a dream in my heart, but I'm not sure if I can go all the way in. I'm not sure if he's good on his promises. I'm not sure if he's actually going to carry me all the way to the fruition of the dream like he promised me. And so I have this backup option. Again, I'm not speaking neg- negatively about any of these things necessarily, but what I'm saying, this is our mindset, to have a backup option. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it robs us of our best. God is a jealous God and he wants our whole life and he can be trusted. And maybe you're on that journey today, learning how much you can trust God, what it feels like to let go, I remember the moment I went and did the bungee jump, the nervous bungee jump in Queenstown, and the moment I jumped, I felt like I was jumping to my death, right? Like literally, I knew I was strapped in, it's perceived risk, it's not real, no one's died in this spot, like this is all good, and I jumped in the moment I did, I was like, ah, like, you know, your organs and your insides just squirm. It's freaky, but it's worth it. And I jumped, I thought, I wanna do it again, but I don't have another $260, so I'm not doing it, you know? (laughs) That's expensive. That cost you something. That had nothing to do with it. I just added that in for a bonus. This is the truth. Uh, When you only have one option, it's easier to give it everything you've got. When you've only got one option, it's easier to give it everything you've got. We say, God's our provider. He will come through. I believe that with all my heart. He cares for my every need. But then, you know, like, just in case he doesn't come through, I'm going to prioritize something else. I'm going to go and get that part-time job that pulls me out of church on a Sunday. I'm going to go and get that part-time job that pulls me out of my small group. And what happens is we get pulled out of the very thing that we need most, healthy biblical community for an extra couple of dollars in the bank account. We say that God's going to come through. God's our provider. But if he doesn't, I need a backup option. Again, some of this stuff's okay, but I want us to realize this mentality that slips in because what happens is we apply that same thing to the promises of God. We hear God say, you're gonna be healed. I'm gonna bring breakthrough. I'm gonna bring you the right job. The right partner's coming your way. Have faith and belief. You can have peace in the situation. We say, yeah, but what if you don't? And it robs us of God's best. I honestly believe that God's greatest provision and breakthrough rests in the middle of our surrender. And I've discovered that as I've gone on my Christian journey, the moment I've let go and been completely vulnerable, that's when God has truly come through. When you only have one option, it's so much easier to give it everything that you've got. Now, if if you know me, you'll you'll definitely know this fact. Um, If you don't, I'm gonna let you in on a little bit of a secret. I absolutely hate being cold. Like, like, it's unhealthy. Like, I'll wear like a hoodie and jeans to the beach just because I can't bear the thought of being cold. It's like an unbearable feeling for me. Like, I hate it. The problem is, I love the beach. And I love kayaking, I love the waves, I love hooning around in one of those big inflatable tubes, you know, they call it a biscuit. I love going around in one of those. I love that stuff, but the water is so cold, so I don't actually do any of it. I just think about how nice it might be and how good it was when I wasn't so afraid of the cold. Now, the other day, I was, a little while ago, I was at our botany campus hanging out in our intermediate voltage program, and I said to one of our youth interns, I said, Zach, bro, he's the man, he's a good guy. Zach, how was your weekend? What'd you get up to? He said, Frosty, I had a great weekend. Yesterday, I went out on the boat, and I was hooning around on one of those biscuits, those inflatable tubes, on the waves in the water. It was amazing. I was like, that's cool. So then I went next door, and I saw Pastor Steve Green, our lead pastor at our botany campus. I said, Steve, 
how was your weekend? What did you get up to? He says, Frosty, had a great weekend. Yesterday, went out on the boat, was on one of those biscuit things, on the waves in the water, and I'm firstly, I'm like, where's my invite, right? Sad guys. Um, and then I'm sitting there, I'm like, that sounds so fun. And all I can remember that weekend is smashing bag at a packet of chocolate biscuits. I'm like, we all had fun with biscuits, mine was just a little bit different. I love that stuff, but I can't bear the thought of taking myself through what I would call some sort of a demonic process of hopping in the cold water. Like, it is cold and I hate it. If I'm, if I'm gonna enjoy the activity that we're, we're trying to enjoy, I know that in order to get into the water, I can't work my way in slowly. I have to go all the way in. Because what will happen is I'll, I'll go in just a little bit until I can't feel my toes, and then I'll feel like I have a legitimate reason to not go in. For me, I have to go cold turkey. I have to go all the way in in an instant. No working my way in, no gradual process, just all the way right now, all the way in. I do it, and then it feels like I'm being stabbed by a thousand knives, and I'm short of breath, and I'm like hating it, but eventually I warm up. Eventually it's not so bad. Eventually I can enjoy the activity and I realize when I'm on the biscuit myself or I'm out on the waves, I realize that going through the challenge was worth it. But it's tough to jump all the way in. Some things require us to do that. Some things require us just to go, I don't know what's gonna happen. I trust God, I've heard clearly, I've heard from wise counsel, I'm going all the way. When it comes to our relationship with God and our Christian faith, there are so many people here with just one leg in the pool. Because while I like to jump all the way in, that's really my only way in, I tell you who I am more often than not. I'm the guy with one leg in the pool. And I wait, and it gets cold, and I don't like it, and eventually I pull my one leg out. I kind of experienced it. Like I sort of experienced what was going on. Then I pull my leg out, and I go, swimming's dumb. It's not worth it. It's not what people make it out to be. There's something better on offer. And sometimes in our Christian faith, we can do the same thing. There's many people, maybe there's some people here today where you have just one leg in the pool. You want to experience it, but you also want to hold on to the comfort of out here. And we get fooled into a mediocre average Christianity because we only give a mediocre and average commitment. And then this is what happens, friends. When times get hard or temptation comes, you consider walking away because you scan over all that God and Christianity can offer you. And just like me in the pool with one leg in, you think maybe there's something better on offer. But you never jumped all the way in. You never jumped all the way in to experience all that God had for you. Following God has never been considered an all or nothing. You've always had a plan B. You've never placed yourself in a position where God had to come through or you'd be wrecked. I know that's scary. And I'm not expecting everyone to feel like that's what they're gonna go and do immediately. But I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to challenge you to believe that there's more for, for you in your life, that God has more. I don't care if you've been a Christian for three days, 30 years, 70 years. God has more for you. He has more for you today. And sometimes when we just want to kind of experience it, we walk away and say, nah, I don't know about this God thing. And so what ends up happening is we say things uh, like this. We say, um, I've given God a try. Like he's a flavor of ice cream. We say, uh, Christianity didn't really work for me. Well, considering that God's grace is the only way to be forgiven, I'd say it works pretty well. We say, you know, like, church just isn't my thing. You're right, it isn't your thing, it's God's thing, but he died on the cross in our place so that we could be a part of it. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
Have you read that verse before? You will seek me and you will find me. It's a promise of God. If you seek, you will find as long as you seek with all your heart. Not half your heart. Not just with your Sundays. Not just with your passions. Not just with your honesty. Not just with your social media accounts. But with everything that you've got. Have you ever surrendered to God so much that if he didn't come through, you'd be absolutely wrecked? Have you ever surrendered to God where you were absolutely dependent on him coming through? Because until you jump into that aircraft with no plan B, until you grab a hold of all that God has for you without looking back, until you go from one leg in the pool to jumping all the way in off the diving board, you haven't experienced the fullness of what God has for you. What is it that's holding you back? What is it that's keeping one leg still out of the pool? What is it that's holding you back from surrendering everything to God? Can I tell you, friends, that God can be trusted? He really can. And one of the greatest parts of your Christian journey is going to be discovering that, is to get vulnerable and understand that God will meet you in that place. There's a story in the Bible of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, Abraham um, was promised by God for a son. And he was very old by the time he had this son. And you can imagine like the joy when he finally held his baby boy in his hands and he receives a word from God. And he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son to the top of Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him. I can imagine Abraham be like, are you kidding me? Like I waited this long for the promise and now you require this of me. So anyway, Abraham's an obedient man. He trusts God. They gather the wood, they gather the fire, they prepare themselves and they start walking up the mountain. That would have been an awkward conversation. They're going up the mountain, they're going to make a sacrifice, and I can imagine Isaac as a young man going, so what are we sacrificing? And Abraham's like, stop talking, son. You'll find out. They get to the top. Now, if I were Abraham, I'd be like, God, surely there's a plan B. Surely there's another way to do this. Surely I can remain a good godly man and not do this. But he hears nothing. He continues on. He trusts God. He knows that God is good. He knows that God comes through on his promises. They get to the top. Isaac, for whatever reason, surrenders to his father. They, he participates. They prepare the, the sacrifice. And I can imagine uh, Abraham picking up a knife, ready to do the sacrifice, going, God, if there's a plan B, now's good. Like, and go. Like, this is the moment that I, that I expected you to change everything. And I can imagine him going, five, four, God, where's the plan B? Three, two, one and a half, one and a quarter. And just at the moment where God realizes that he was faithful enough to trust him to go through with it, his attention is fixed to a ram in the thickets. The ram is replaced with Isaac. Isaac's life is spared and God comes through. It's the moment where God realized, even if it's scary, even if it doesn't make sense, this person is willing to follow through, to trust me, that God came through with the breakthrough. I think that's incredible. I think it's an amazing testament to the fact that God responds to our faith, that God responds to us when we don't have all the pieces to the picture. You know, there's a story of a general long ago who was preparing his army to take on their biggest opponent yet, an army much bigger than his. He loaded his soldiers onto the boat. They sailed to the enemy country, and after unloading all of the soldiers and the equipment, he instructed the soldiers to go and burn the ships. So there they are on fire, addressing his soldiers before the first battle. He says, soldiers... You see those burning ships? I can imagine they're like, yeah, obviously you just told us to burn them, but that means we cannot go back unless we win. There's no way out of here unless we're alive, victorious at the end. He's like, we either win or we perish. 
And guess what? They won. You know why? I think a huge factor is the fact that when you only have one option, you can give it everything that you've got. You can invest so much into it. They win or they perish. They win or they perish. There was no evacuation plan. There was no plan B. There was no, when it gets scary, you can just hop on this little speedboat and go back to your family. You win or you perish. They gave it everything that they had and they got the victory. That's the God that we serve. He'll give us the victory. If we place our hand in his hand, even when it's scary, he will give us the victory. Now, can you be saved by God's grace and still have one leg in the pool? Yeah, I think you can. God's gracious. He understands where we're at in our journey. Can you see the miracles of God and still have a backup plan just in case you don't? Yeah, God's good like that. God, God will do the miraculous. God will heal. God will restore. God will bring breakthrough, even when we're maybe not fully invested. But can you build an unshakable faith that strengthens you in the toughest of times, that places purpose in every step, that allows you to know the full peace of God, that allows you to actually step out and live the life that God created for you and still have a plan B? I'm not sure if you can. I'm not sure if you can live the fullness of what God has for you while still looking back, while still caught between two different places. You know, the start of, might have been the start of this year, maybe the start of last year, we, um, we ran a little summer camp for our intermediate students, for our voltage students. They're like 10 to 12 years old, up in Whangarei Heads. And while we were up there, Darcy and I grabbed a handful of the students, there's like five intermediate girls, and we went out on the kayaks into the little bay area. And we went out to play one of those classic kayak games. It's the one where, you, I don't know if you've played it, but you all get alongside each other, you use your hands to hold each other's kayaks and you come together as a tight unit and then what happens is two people get up and they run along the tops and the backs of the kayaks all the way around rushing back to their same spot so we get out there we call the girls in we explain how it's going to happen they're using their hands to hold the kayaks either side of them we're one tight unit and we're ready to play the game but they're a little scared right so i volunteer darcy to go first (laughs) so Darcy and this other girl, they're gonna get up, they're gonna run around the front and the back of the kayaks on top without falling in, back to their spot, and the first one back is the winner. So away they go, working at snail's pace. And then right in front of me, I'm in the middle, right before my very eyes, Darcy's there, she's on the kayak, and she starts reaching out a foot like towards the next one. She's trying to test it out. She's trying to figure it out. She's sort of, she's got her stability in one, but she's just trying to test out the other. Now, I won't be too much of a surprise to you, but intermediate girls aren't too strong. They're a little weak. They can't hold the kayaks for too long. And so while Darcy's got one foot on one kayak and one foot on the other kayak, they start to drift. And I'm screaming at Darcy, I'm like, pick a side. Like, pick a side, don't be in the middle, pick a side. She's got one foot here, one foot there. It's too late now. The kayaks start drifting. She's flexible, luckily it's like, this isn't too uncomfortable. If it was me, it would be a bad situation. She's got one leg on this kayak, one leg on this kayak, and they drift apart until she's doing the splits over the water. This is amazing. We're loving it. She's screaming to the heavens. She's doing the splits over the water. Eventually, she face plants right in the water in front of us, and I'm praising God. It was a great time. Luckily, she didn't get hurt. She was okay. It was only like six inches into the water. Otherwise, I would have to jump in and save my damsel in distress. But instead, we all just laughed and had a good time. But I realized that that didn't have to happen. She didn't need to face plant into the water. Because she was unwilling to fully jump across to the next kayak, 
She wanted her stability. She wanted the structure. She wanted to feel safe, but she also wanted to test this out. And because she wasn't willing to go all the way across in an instant, she ended up falling on her face. You know, these guys that were called by Jesus to follow him, he said, come as you are, but come all the way right now. And they found themselves caught between two places. Here, Jesus, like, I want to follow you, but I just want to sort this thing out first. One of them wanted to go back and process what it meant to leave the comfort of his family. One of them wanted to focus on the death in one thing rather than the new life being offered in another. What is it for you that's keeping one leg out of the pool? What is it for you that's holding you back from surrendering everything that you've got? Do you need to place control of your finances, of your tithing, of your generosity back into the hands of a God who promises to provide? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, He can be trusted. Do you need to place control of searching for that perfect girlfriend or boyfriend back into the hands of a God who wants the perfect match even more than you do? He can be trusted. This is important to Him. The Bible says that He takes delight in every detail of our lives. Nothing's too big or too small for our God. Do you need to let go of the worry of what your life might look like if you actually just went all out for Jesus? Is this the moment where you position yourself and you let go and you let God? Say, God, I don't have all the pieces to the picture, but I'm going to position myself. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take a somewhat calculated decision. I'm going to let go of the very thing that I'm trying to maintain myself. I'm going to believe that your promises are yes and amen in Christ. I'm going to believe that you're going to come through. You've done it before and I believe that you're going to do it again. Is this the moment where you finally say, God, I can't do it on my own and I need you to take control? Matthew 10, 39 says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, there you will find it. I honestly think that's one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible. If you cling to your life, if you try to maintain control, if you try to have it all lined up exactly how you want it, you will lose your life. But Jesus is saying, come on, I can be trusted if you let it go for me, if you place it into my hands, there you will find the fullness of life. There you will find hope and peace and breakthrough. There you will find life. What is it that you're clinging on to today? What is it that you're holding on to a little too tightly? Maybe for many of you, you're like, I'm all in with Jesus. I've given him my life. It's been 20 years. It's been 30 years. But maybe there's still an area of your life where you're like, God, you can have it all, but don't come into my finances. I got it under control. Maybe that's an area where what's being threatened right now is that if you cling to it too tightly, you will lose it. And God's saying, would you let it go into the hands of a loving God? Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a workplace issue. What is it that you're clinging to that today God is knocking on the door of your heart and he says, would you let it go so that you can find the fullness of life? A plan B will rob you of God's best for your life. It's time to burn the boat that brought us to the place that our life is in. You're going back to your families. You're going back to your cities. You're going back to your workplaces. But you don't have to go back to the way things were. And you don't even have to go back the way that you came. Because without a way back, you simply don't go back. I remember as a 20-year-old, finding myself in church, thinking Christians were crazy. Went on a journey to really discover if this God was real. I remember coming to the point where it was undeniably clear to me that the God of the Bible was real, it was true, He loved me, 
but then I had to toil with the toughest of questions. This either means nothing at all, or it means absolutely everything. What it can't be is somewhere in the middle. The fact that we were dead in our sin, destined for an eternity without God, struggling in our own weakness, our own sin, robbed of the best life that we were created to live out. And God died on a cross. He paid the price that you and I deserve to pay so that when we accept Jesus into our life, God no longer sees our imperfections, but He sees the perfection of Jesus in us. This is great news. This either means nothing at all or it means absolutely everything. Does God have your everything? He's a jealous God. That's a good thing. We think negatively when we hear the word jealous. Jealous just means God's like so passionately, deeply in love with you. He can't stand the thought of not having every part of you because He wants to bring breakthrough to your life. He wants to bring more to your life, more to your world. And I made that decision as a 20-year-old. I'd be lying to you if I said everything became so amazing and so brilliant, but it is unarguably the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. I'm gonna get to that in just a moment because I think there's some people here that if you were to be honest, although you're a church person because you're in church right now, maybe Jesus isn't at the center of your life and that's really important. I'm gonna pray a prayer in a few moments and give you that opportunity to pray a simple prayer that would change your eternity forever. But before we do that, I just wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for anyone here that has an area of their life that perhaps they're clinging onto too tightly. It's been hard to give it to God because you're not quite sure what might happen if you do. God's breakthrough, His provision, His protection rests right in the middle of our surrender. I just wanna invite everyone to close their eyes right where they are. Every person in this room, just out of respect and privacy for the people either side of us. I'm asking this to a room of people, but really it's, a, it's an individual question for you. And it's a moment between you and God. What is it that you're clinging to too tightly? What is it that you need to trust God with a little bit more today? In a moment, if you've got something, you don't need to tell me what it is it's between you and God. I'm just gonna ask that you lift your hand. Think about what it is. Maybe God's spoken to you about that thing right now. You can lift your hand. Yeah, awesome. There's some hands going up. This is you acknowledging before God. Yeah, God, there's something. And I want to take a step of faith and just do something practical right now to acknowledge that there's something in God I ask you to come in and take control. Is there anyone else? I'm not counting. It's not actually for me, but I want you to take this step. Just to say, yeah, there is something in my world that I need to let go of. Awesome. Well, I'm going to pray for you right now. You can put your hands down. Father God, I thank you that you're a gracious, close, loving, forgiving, passionately in love with us, God. And I pray, God, for every bold, faith-filled person that lifted their hand, and even for those that wanted to but just didn't lift their hand, God, you see their heart. You know what's going on. And I pray, God, that as they allow, you would come in and you would take control. And as you do, God, they wouldn't feel anxious, they wouldn't feel restless, but they would feel the full peace of God on their life they would receive right now a revelation that you have their very best interests at heart. You want to see them win. You want to see them flourish, that you have more for them in their life. So I pray, God, that the following days, weeks, and months as they journey this through, placing control of this thing into your hands, they would only find themselves in a place where all they could do was praise you for all that you've done. I thank you for them in Jesus' name. While every eye is still closed, I want to pray one final prayer. I mentioned it earlier. Maybe you're here today and Jesus is not the center of your life. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me, that's everyone. The sin in our life separates us from a perfect God. 
but he's a God that can't stand the thought of being separated from you. So he sent his son, Jesus, his perfect son, Jesus, who didn't deserve a thing, but what he did is he went to the cross. He paid the price that you and I deserve to pay. I explained that earlier. It means that the fullness of life is available to us today. Forgiveness for our sin is available for us today. A new life and an eternity with Him is available for you right now today. I'm going to pray a prayer in about 10 seconds time. I want you to pray this in your heart. I'll pray it out loud. If you mean this, you want to ask Jesus into your life, you want a brand new start, you don't have to know all the pieces to the puzzle. You just have to believe that God's got your back. He loves you and He's for you. I'm going to pray it out loud. You pray this in your heart right now. Say, Dear God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and that this has separated me from you. But I believe that Jesus, you died for me. You took away the penalty of sin in my life. You took away the power of sin in my life. I believe you rose again three days later. And so Jesus, I accept you as the Lord of my life, the one who's in control, and I accept you as the savior of my life, the only one who could pay that price for me. I place my hand in your hand. I choose to trust you today in Jesus' name. With every eye still closed and every head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna get you up the front. We're not gonna come visit your house. We're not gonna do anything weird. I just want you to take a small step of faith. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I just want you to lift your hand. I'm gonna acknowledge it and you can put it straight back down. If you prayed that prayer, you meant it, you wanna start a fresh relationship with Jesus today, I want you to lift your hand in three, two, one, go now. Awesome, 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 awesome. Yes, is there anyone else? Hands going up. Is there anyone else? You prayed that prayer, you meant it. Today is your day. He sees you as you are and he says, come as you are. I'm gonna wait just one final moment. Is there anyone else? Well, let's pray one final prayer. Yes, that hand over there. Awesome, thank you so much. God, I thank you for life's change. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. God, this is the most incredible moment of these people's lives where loved ones have come back home into your kingdom. I pray, God, that this wouldn't just be a single moment, but the start of the most incredible journey of their lives, whether this is for the first time or they're coming back to you. I thank you for them and I thank you for your grace. God, would you bring the right people around them? Would you show them visions and dreams of their future, of the plans that you have? for them. God, I thank you that you're changing lives today. You're a good God in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Can we congratulate those people that lifted their hands? We're so proud of you. A scattering of hands across the place. Joy. How, how good was that? Thank you so much, Pastor Adam Frost. We're so blessed to have you here. And listen, if you put your hand up and you made the best decision of your life, we want to walk you through the next step so you're not doing it alone. You'll find a connect card on a seat nearby. Make sure you fill it out so we can get to know you and we can just support you um, in this journey. Now for you, maybe going all in means getting baptized. Fill out the connect card. We'd love to talk to you through that as well. Maybe it means it's time for you to step it up and join a serving team, be part of the dream team. Again, the connect card as well. Or maybe for you, it's you need to go all in with who you spend your life with. Joining a small group is a powerful way to do that. Fill your details out and we will be in touch with you this week. We've got the perfect message, perfect message for you if you just wanna take that next step. Fill this out and pop it into the offering bag, which we'll actually be taking now. Now, when we give our tithes and offerings, actually that is also a way of going all in. It's trusting God that He is going to provide. It's giving a portion of our earning 
trusting that God will provide and knowing and believing that what we are doing is investing into His kingdom, that it brings Him, Him joy. It brings His heart happiness, building into this kingdom. So maybe for you, bringing tithes and offerings isn't something that you normally do, but I'd like you to consider, is that going all in for you today? You can sign up at the info booth if you wanna do automatic payments or all sorts of things, but I'd just like you to consider, maybe today is a day to go all in with your finances as well. I'd like to invite you all to stand up and we're just gonna pray for the offering. Before we do that though, we're gonna be having one final song as we are taking the offering. Remember to pop your connect cards if you made a decision, but I'd also wanna encourage you to linger in His presence. Stay in this moment, He is here. The atmosphere is ripe for change. Press into Him and let's worship Him. Before we do that, let's pray. God, I just ask you to bless this offering bless um, everyone who is investing into it. Lord, may you use this money to multiply and grow so that ultimately, Lord, we can lead the lost back home, that we can reach, that we can serve and that we can influence, that we can be all in, Father. And I commit this offering to you and I commit this next song to you that we may hear more from you. In your name I pray. Amen.